Owning a home is still the American dream, but it comes with plenty of emotional and financial challenges. Join real estate broker Ron Evans each week as he shares the latest industry and local real estate market news through interviews with other agents and industry professionals. If you're confused about today's real estate market or just want to understand the home buying and selling process, this show is for you. Here's your host, Ron Evans. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Ron Evans with the Amy Sims Real Estate Team. And today I wanted to bring you something that will be hopefully coming weekly um, here in California from CAR, which is the California Association of Realtors. They send out an email weekly called Market Matters, and it usually just has links to some really nice articles um, that most people or a lot of people just really don't pay attention to, but they're very, very, very informative. And so I just want to take some time to go through a few of them off of the uh, current one that we just received today. And today is September 24th, 2021. And, um, and we'll kind of just, you know, I'll, I'll read through them as I'm on here and uh, kind of give my opinion on things, see what I think and um, see if it is things I agree with or don't agree with, or, you know, maybe have no opinion on. So, and then, as always, if you have any questions or comments or anything, you can email me direct. Um, you can now email uh, realestate101 at Ron Evans Realty. You can text me 949-929-2270, or you can drop comments um, below. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're listening to this on the podcast, on the audio only, uh, which you should be able to get to now by going to ronevansrealestate.com. You can go straight to the audio podcast or go to the YouTube channel and uh, then I'll put in the link on here and uh, watch the video as well. All right, let's get going. So uh, the first headline that came out on today is titled um, Americans are cashing out on home equity. And this is from Inman. Um, and it's usually a subscription-based um, service uh, that we get as a perk as a being a realtor. Um, and it kind of goes through what's going on right now that a lot of us see. Um, I don't know if everybody translates this the way I have been translating it, but I, I really agree with just the, the title that uh, people are cashing in on their home equity that they have. <clears throat> and right now this is agreeing with it saying that rising home prices means Americans hold an high equity high of $9.1 trillion in tappable, what they call tappable home equity, which means that is true equity to where you can get a line of credit, take that out. You can actually access that equity. It's not future equity or it's being held uh, by something else, it's something you can actually get. Um, it's the highest that we have seen since the 2007 housing bubble. Um, now, I've seen this going on all year, and I know it's been a huge reason that people have been able to buy and come forward as like a cash buyer, uh, per se, when they really aren't a cash buyer. But that's why a lot of people that have been trying to finance, there's been a good deal of them that have had a hard time um, beating out cash buyers. They've had to really severely overpay 
um, over the cash buyer. And that's mainly because you have a lot of people right now, um, and I've experienced this and I've seen this, that maybe bought a home after the crash of 2007. So when the market really dipped, they bought low, right? And now here we are 10 years later, 12 years later, eight years later, wherever they were in that, in that scale. And they've got a ton of equity. So if they, they bought a home for 350,000, it's probably worth 800,000 today. So they've got about you know half a million dollars in equity. Well, they can take that equity out of that home and have it as liquid, right? And they are going in and they are borrowing against 401ks, uh, getting gifts from family and all kinds of things to where maybe they push their buy, you know, their buying power up to a million dollars or 1.25 or whatever, and they're all cash. And personally, I have seen more cash buyers this year than I ever had before, especially in those higher price points like that. And then what they do is they go in as a cash offer. They don't have to sell their home just yet um, because they've taken the equity out. And now they put all that money down uh, as cash, right? And buy their new home, sell their old home after the fact to satisfy anything that they had taken out of the equity. And then they will also go in now. So say if they took out money from family, they got money from family or they got money from 401k or took out like, you know, wiped out their savings or whatever you do, whatever. Now they'll go in and they'll get a loan. Uh, again, they'll refinance their house that they paid cash for, maybe take half that money out to repay um, their own self debt. Uh, that is a cycle that we've seen over and over again. So this article from Inman here um, and the link is uh going to be in the podcast. The links to all these articles I'm going to talk about will direct will be in the podcast and also on uh, the YouTube um, video in the uh, in the notes section. So you can click on all these. But this is basically what it's talking about this particular one. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's basically exactly what I'm talking about here um, that I've been saying, and this is just this is just backing it all up and giving more detail on percentages and, and stuff. Uh, they're getting people are taking they took advantage of like the forbearance and all kinds of stuff to rack up a year and a half's worth of uh, mortgage payments that they didn't have to pay, and that's been going in towards their savings for their new down payment. All kinds of things. Okay, so that is again. Um, an article from Inman talking about Americans cashing in or cashing out as home equity hits a record $9.1 trillion. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. Um, A a side note on that is there are a lot of people that think that we're going to have a housing bubble or we're going to have a crash. Um, I don't necessarily think we're going to have a crash. I think that we may have a correction and we may flatten out at some point. Um, But the fact that all these people have equity like this also speaks to the fact of why we won't really have like a a downturn of a crash. In 2007, the recession was created by uh, the false economy that the housing was providing because you had a lot of people with that were 100% financing or negative amortization loans um, were everywhere. And people were buying multiple properties this way that they could not afford and they could not qualify for. They had no equity in them. 
and they and everyone was just thinking that the property values would go up and up and up. And obviously that didn't happen. So that's why we had all the foreclosures and we had the, the crisis that we had. Well, today, because of all this equity in homes, if we get to a point where there's a market crash, it won't be a housing won't be leading the way in causing a market crash if there was a recession again. And so therefore the housing prices might level off and they might stable stabilize and not keep cranking up the way they have the last few years. But I don't personally foresee a dip. Um, a lot of the economists I talk to don't foresee a dip. People will still use the term bubble, but I don't know that they're using it. Um, personally, I don't know if they're using it uh, correctly. Uh, the bubble could burst for sure, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to come crashing down. It just means that the the increase in, uh, in prices might burst and that part stops. That's just my own side note, my own, my own opinion on that. All right. The next article is from Bazenga. Um, and it is about why remote work will continue to shape the post-pandemic housing market. This is something else that we've been tracking um, really for like the last, since last summer, since like summer of 2020, when um, we kind of came out of lockdown and we had our delayed spring selling season, you know, everything kind of started off like mid to late summer. And we had a big surge there in fourth quarter. And we've seen a lot of clients buying homes in Orange County and other parts of Southern California simply because they're going to work remote forever now with whatever their office job was before. If they were a director or president or just an executive or you know, mid-level management, Every more and more people are going to be working remote forever, permanently. And so that means they can go live where they want to live. Um, specifically, we've had a lot of people coming from the Bay Area and from the Pacific Northwest, um, because believe it or not, here in Orange County and, and like San Diego County and different things, the cost of housing down here is actually more affordable than up there. Um, sold a home to some people in Temecula, um, that were coming from San Francisco and they were able to buy a million dollar property in Temecula and it's 4,000 square feet on a big lot with a pool and it's beautiful. It's almost, you know, fairly new construction. And for that same price where they were coming from in the Bay area, that would have gotten them like a two bedroom flat, um, with offsite parking that they might be paying 15, 20 grand a year for, for extra parking. Um, and it just wasn't worth it to them. Now that they're going to be working from home, they went online and like, Hey, we can stay in California, but we just, you know, go a few hours South and look what we might have. Um, so this article here from Benzinga or Benzinga, I don't know how you pronounce this is basically, um, talking about this, about how, um, there's been these surveys going on now and they know that like just a huge amount, more than 80% of the people responding are going to be like, yeah, we're going to be working at home at least 50% of the time going forward, if not more, even post-pandemic. So that shapes where they can live now or where they can choose to live. Um, 
it's a great, uh, if one, if one positive thing will come out of the pandemic is this is now that like, you know, people won't be, I don't want to say trapped, but they won't be stuck, um, you know, based on their career choice or based on their job that they wanted to work. Um, maybe living in an area that they can't afford, or maybe they're away from family or whatnot. Well, now, um, they're going to be able to relocate, keep their jobs, um, has a has a lot of pluses in it. It helps the real estate market in all the different areas. I think it helps the job market and stabilizing the job market personally, because now you have uh, less excuse for turnover um, than you would have had before. So I think it's a, a real plus. So please check out this article. It's it's fantastic. It includes surveys from different parts of the United States, not just where I'm at in, in Orange County, um, but all over. Um, so it's, it's a really nice, really nice uh, researched and uh, sourced article. All right, moving on. Wildfires. If you didn't know, we've had a lot of wildfires again this year, and I think we still have one burning that's been burning since the summertime up in Northern California. It's, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. But there was a great article here from House Logic that was included, and it's all about landscaping design tips to defend your home against uh, wildfires and other natural disasters. Severe storms, you know, we've seen hurricanes again this year on the East Coast and in the, in the Gulf. And this is just a nice article. It starts out talking about wildfire home protection. And it's basically setting your home and your landscaping up in zones. So you have like zone one, that's like the area that's within 30 feet of your home. To do to, to put different things in that's where you're going to want like your hardscape and flagstone pavers um you know that should be like the first four feet from your house um and then you want some like low density shrubs and things a little bit beyond that kind of filtering out a ring again this is like if you're living in a wildfire area this is not just like you know if you're not living in a wildfire area this isn't what you would do but this is just a nice thing to learn then you have like zone two and that starts out where the 30 feet, so it's 30 to 100 feet. And that's just making sure that if you've got any slopes or you've got any areas that you're not really using, that you keep it really thinned out and kind of keep it manicured, keep it tame so that you don't have like a lot of dry vegetation or weeds and stuff like that growing up that you can't control. Things that could, if a wildfire was to get close, that would spark it to come closer to your home. You want to put in wide walking paths. Um, that way, if, again, if there was something that came in, if you've got a good, you know, eight to 10 foot walking path, that's going to give you protection if you have to try to escape. Um, it goes on to talk about maintenance against fire, you know, keeping your grass short and irrigated, making sure in the fall time you're cleaning up those leaves and branches and any dead plants, prune your dead tree branches. This is really important, especially in the wintertime when it dries out and we start having the wildfires. Um, remove weeds, especially if they're the kind that are gonna grow tall, taller than six inches or so. And then it talks about some um, fire resistant plants, um, like junipers, uh, or, or says avoid, you wanna avoid plants that uh, contain wax or ter uh, terpenes. Um, or oils, which are flammable, such as junipers, hollies, eucalyptus, and pines. 
So if you live in a wildfire area and you've got those kind of trees around, that's what you're going to want to clear away in those in zone one and two. Those are the things you definitely don't want to get within 100 feet of your house. Um, try to use more decorative rock and gravel instead of mulch and bark because those things can also be combustible, obviously. Um, some fire resistant foundation plantings are like azaleas, boxwoods, hydrangea, hydrangeas. Um, succulents have a high water content and they're less flammable. All right. Then it goes on to talk about defending against windstorms, um, different types of uh, shrubbery to use and trees to use, wind, different windscreen plants. So there are some plants that you can get that you can kind of line around your property within a certain uh, distance that act as windscreens. And it lists off several here, like the Eastern Red Cedar, the Arizona Cypress. We see those a lot, um, the cypress trees. And the ponderosa pine, the red bud, the sycamore, the Chinese elm, among others. And then it talks about where you want to place these windscreen uh, trees. Um, then there's a whole another section. This is actually really large and long, but um, it's about defending against uh, flooding, how to set up your landscaping um, for flooding. Um, I'll kind of give you this. So some great rain barriers it talks about when it comes to trees. It says large trees over 40 feet tall are the most valuable part of your landscaping. Um, they can protect your home against rain by blocking the running water with their trunk, giving it time to seep into the ground. They maintain uh, shallow feeder roots beyond the tree's drip line, which soak up rainwater. Growing leaves that collect and intercept rainwater, which easily evaporates. And they remove up to 100 gallons of groundwater each day, uh, sending it into the air through transpiration. And then there's some different grasses that it talks about um, that you should be using. Um, like, where does it say here? I'm trying to, I can't read it here. It says choose indigenous ornamental and turf grasses that are well adapted to your location have a greater chance of surviving bad weather. So kind of look around. Don't try to like bring stuff in that's hard to maintain and keep good um, because the stuff that you already have that's local to you is designed for that area. So if your area is prone to flooding and it's known to flood, then you want to keep stuff like that. So for ground cover, thirsty roots, um, such as the Creeping Jenny. Uh, they drink a lot of rainwater and prevent erosion. Uh, and then you wanna use a lot of shrubs, just, just small shrubs all around because they all soak up extra water. So I liked that article. That one was personal to us here in California and actually in the, you know, a lot of the Southwest Pacific Northwest where we've been getting a lot of fires lately. All right, the last article I'm just gonna chat about for a minute here is from CNBC and it is stronger mortgage demand points to September surge in home sales. 
if you checked out the previous episode, I don't know that we're having like a surge per se um, in home sales here in my area. I think other areas might be in our area here in Orange County, not necessarily a surge, it's more of a continued of what's already been going all year. But this is a nice little article that kind of, it's more general for the whole whole country. Um, it says that, you know, it talks about like the conforming loan balances remained unchanged at 3.03% on a 30-year fixed mortgage rate. Um, refinance demand surged 7%. Now that's something that, I don't know that I've talked to a few lenders here locally and they're all starting to see refinances dip and and start to dry up a little bit or at least flatten out um, but it looks like overall in our economy they actually surged in september about seven percent um, even though the interest rates haven't changed so maybe that's just due to people are having that fourth quarter fear that you know things might change as far as interest rates are concerned and they're trying to get everything in at this point um it's a it's a really good read um it says uh talks about mortgage interest rates haven't moved since uh, for the most part, since August, um, since before Labor Day, there really hasn't been a lot of movement. And um, it's like it says, it stays at, you know, 3.03% um, with points decreasing to 0.3 from 0.32. So that's actually kind of nice. There's a little dip in points to get it at that 3.03. Um, that's including the origination fee, it says. Uh, applications for loan purchases rose 2% for the week, but we're still 13% lower than a year ago. So if you paid attention to my previous post um, and uh, episode talking about uh, where the housing market is here, this is kind of what's in line with that. So we have seen, we saw like a 2% decline in pending sales, which would increase, be, be demand. And that's kind of in line with the uh, home purchase applications uh, only being around 2%. Um, but we're 13% lower than a year ago. And I just mentioned that a lot of, you know, we had the whole COVID delay in, in 2020. So it's really hard to talk about numbers today versus a year ago uh, because the COVID delay uh, in, our, in our selling season. Let's see. Applications for refinance increased 7% for the week, but they were they, those are still 5% lower than, than last year. So everything's kind of, it's, it's leveling out is the way I interpret it. So, well, that's it for these articles. Again, they're all going to be, all the sourced articles will be in the, notes below the description below uh hopefully you guys find this useful um i'm still getting used to this i think the more i do it obviously the better we'll all get and we'll all learn some something from this and um i thank you for coming back <laughs>